Thanks for joining me on episode 1101 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm Jerry Fu. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to understand and resolve conflict is key, and one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend Scott Mater. You don't have to agree with every opinion that comes your way. Everyone has ideas on what you should be doing with your life, right? I know plenty of Asian friends who basically got pressured into becoming physicians when you know, they, they clearly had a heart for something else. So that's the second thing I would tell myself. Uh, Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's interview with Jerry Fu, I asked Jerry about some of the most common mistakes people make with conflict. I also asked Jerry for his best tips on how to resolve conflict effectively. And Jerry also shares some of his top tips for developing others. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Jerry Fu is a conflict resolution coach for Asian American leaders. He started coaching in 2017 to help other Asian American professionals deal with the challenges they encounter at work, with their families, and within themselves. Prior to starting his coaching business, Jerry worked as a pharmacist and began facilitating leadership workshops in 2012. Today, Jerry offers a range of coaching services, which includes individual coaching, group workshops, and keynote presentations. In his free time, Jerry enjoys travel, trying new restaurants, and lots of salsa dancing. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. So last week, we talked a lot about how you're working in conflict resolution coaching and helping people get better at handling conflict. What are some of the common mistakes people make when they're dealing with conflict? Yeah, yeah. I know for me, in, in my own struggle and failure to actually get better at this, the first mistake is avoidance, right? Somehow thinking that you mean it won't auto- just go away magically? <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, right? <laughs> Somehow, the, the best word I heard talking about resources, there's a book called The Four Conversations by Jeff and Lori Ford. And they talk about the one of the best terms they use throughout the book is automagically. And somehow things automatically get better. As if somehow we'll, people will figure out exactly why you're upset with them and then fix that, fix the problem that you're upset about that they don't know about. 
I feel like I see that in a lot of relationships. They say, well, if you really love me and you really knew me, you know why I'm still with you right now. And mm-hmm. I'm they're thinking, mm-hmm. that could be true. It doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was one thing as a leader, you learn that you have to bang the same drum like every week, every day, even because people forget. It may, may, it may seem repetitive to you. It may seem exhausting to you. And you can't assume that everyone is as invested as you. So yeah, avoidance is the first thing. And then uh, a second sub point of that avoidance is overcompensating, right? Because you are avoiding the problem that, that you're, that they obviously haven't figured out how to, how to resolve. Like now you're fixing it yourself instead of getting them involved. And I'll give an example just so it doesn't sound all theoretical. Let's say a technician mistypes a prescription and I see the typo. I maybe we're busy. Maybe they're tied up with other things at, or they're not, un, they're not available for me to give them the feedback to make sure they correct it. And so I just fix it myself. It's like, okay, one time. Yeah. I don't know the reason. Maybe it's an aberration. They're usually pretty accurate. Okay. But then it happens a second time, like the same mistake happens. And now, now it's a pattern, right? Now it's a habit and I am not addressing it. And now I'm doing two jobs for the price of one because I refuse to get them involved and train them up because even though that would long-term uh, be better for both of us, because now they know my expectations and they are like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry about that. Okay. This is what, here's so here's so some justice to make sure it doesn't happen again. Overcompensating is a subset of the avoidance. The second mistake though, uh, the big one is charging ahead with no plan. And they just say, maybe they've avoided something long enough. And they say, okay, I can't, they, they correctly realize that they cannot afford to tolerate this bad behavior any longer, but then they just charge ahead without really asking for feedback, doing their homework about a situation. The whole failing to plan is planning to fail. They think, okay, as long as I have courage and I charge ahead, I'm going to get it done. And then they realize they pounce like a lion instead of creeping like a cat, as I've heard one mm-hmm. coach say. And then they realize, oh, now you have to apologize twice. One, because you basically put the person on the defensive. And number two, you were wrong about the situation, even though you had justified it in your head as to what right. was really, but you felt like your assessment was accurate. A third mistake is they think that conflict resolution involves conforming the other person to your side, that you have to twist their arm into realizing that no, like what their side is completely without merit and they, they just need to come alongside and trust that because you are the leadership um, person and you are the expert that you're right. And they have to just come along. They just have to come around. And I'll give an example for that too. At one point, one of my pharmacists dispensed the wrong, dispensed medication to the wrong patient. The technician typed up, filled the medication under the wrong profile. The pharmacist like go by. And now we have a problem. And as manager, of course, I found out about this and I had to confront both of them and talk about, okay, what happened and what do we need to change? And the most frustrating thing was the fact that the pharmacist kept insisting and she goes, I just don't make mistakes. This wasn't my fault. Like, she messed up. And I had to say something like, true or false, you are supposed to catch and fix any mistakes before they leave this pharmacy, regardless of who made them. Yes. Well, yeah. Like, okay. So what happened? And it, 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 it's still your responsibility, even yeah. if you were the person that took the wrong action. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you are still goalie. And unfortunately, yeah, here, so yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. But, like I'm not taking away from the fact that she uh, had right. a, 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 she was a factor in this mistake. And at the same time for you to say she messed up 
Mm-hmm. She's not the only, she's not the only, this isn't, I have to talk to everyone that Tanya got passed to. And I would ask her things like, so what are you going to do differently? And she goes, I guess I'll just be more careful. I'm just like, no, like unacceptable. Like I need a more specific response. Even if I'm right, she just got passive aggressive since then. She'd just be like, well, is this my fault too? And it's just, oh my goodness. (laughs) And if I had to do it all over again, I would ask her, and this may or may not be successful, but I know we have a greater chance of success than what I had done, actually done a couple of years ago. I just said, hey, do you believe I'm on your side? Do you believe I'm just here to help you? You know, like we all have our, we all have reputations on the line because I'm manager. So even though I wasn't here for this era, so your responsibility, (laughs) exactly. Like I I, like the liability falls to me too, which means if it's partly also my fault that somehow I overlooked this whole mistake, then now I'm on the hook for this as well, which is why we're having this conversation. Do you believe that safety for the patients is is paramount? Yeah. Okay. If we know that patient safety is, is number one, then why would any of us be okay with this happening? Like, why would you just pass the book? And again, there's only so much I can do with a personality like hers, but at the same time, right. Understanding, Hey, I need to shift from confrontation to collaboration. Confrontation might be for the initial point of contact. And I have to face this head on. And now I'm going to move to the same side of the table so we can both look at this problem together and say, realize, Hey, we're on, the, actually we're on the same side. We're mm-hmm. we're toward the same problem. The goal is that we have a common goal. We exactly, may- yeah. yeah. Like we are actually. I am not here to simply pin you for bad work. I am actually here to to help you know you be the best pharmacist you can be, so that you can catch error and fix errors like this. So it doesn't right. happen again. So yeah, I'd say those are some of the most common mistakes that I see. And I know from my own journey and for others that I've helped walk through, realizing hey, and other things. Some people just say, "Oh, just lower your expectations." I think so. No. Yeah, you, that won't work. <laughs> you can try. Well, you'll end up lowering them again. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll just keep going down, and then now you definitely won't be happy. But you keep you keep rationalizing. You're like, maybe I'll just get over this. So let's flip the script a little bit. And yeah. if folks are dealing with conflict, and maybe in they heard some of their they heard some of their own behavior in what we were just <laughs> yeah. talking about. Yeah. What are some tips that they can have to handle it differently or handle it more effectively? Yeah. And sorting this out on another podcast. So I'll give the framework that I use on my website. Like actually I have a free download for handling hard conversations. That framework involves five steps. The first is to imagine what a successful conversation would look like or just what sound like you think, okay, I want to ask my boss for a raise, but I'm having, I'm struggling with the language. Okay. How could this go in a good way? Because when you imagine what success would look like, you're not sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do. And I just try and see what happens instead of really thinking about the end goal and how you can get there. Right. Don't just try to build a bridge, measure it, you know, measure the gap you're trying to cover. The second step is to find 10 seconds of courage. And I got this from a pharmacist friend and I, I didn't realize just how great it was until I kept using it for myself and for other people. And by this, we mean that you don't have to be Superman or Wonder Woman because a lot of people think, well, if I feel like I have enough courage, finally, I'll have this conversation. That may not happen for weeks, 
especially (laughs) yeah exactly and so when you realize hey i just need to shrink this change right think about like atomic habits by james clear he's just like hey you just need to do like the minimum actionable Mm -hmm. and so you realize hey you know what 10 seconds is all i need to pick up the phone or send that email or send that text and you don't have to say a lot you just need to say hey i need your help sorting something out like you don't have to be like overly specific you just you don't but you don't want to be generally vague either but but just make sure you say, hey, I need your help with this situation. Are you available? That's all you really need. And so people are like, oh, yeah, I can say that. It's like, okay, good. So do it. All right. The third step is to script your critical moves. And so go ahead and not only imagine what success would look like or would sound like, but also write out exactly what you want to address. Don't let your thoughts rattle around up here. You might forget something. But when you take the time to organize it on paper now, you can say, okay, well, here's everything here. How does this flow? What would be the most logical way to present all this? Then the next, though, like step four is key there. Don't just script them, rehearse them. You need to put this into practice. See how you come across in a mirror. Record yourself on your phone. How does this come across? Send it to your friends. Ask your friend to role play as the boss you're trying to ask for a raise for from, right? Um, now, like you want to get strong enough in the dojo before you actually fight outside the dojo. And so the more practice and muscle memory you give yourself, the more likely you are to succeed when you actually get to game time. One of the great examples was like the sit-ins from the civil rights movement, because unless the people had friends to practice with, who would blow smoke in their face or press their cigarette butts into their clothing or gravel or shake them or intimidate them, if they didn't have that preparation, they would probably back off in the middle of, of the crucial moments. And then step five, just do it. Like you just have to follow through. You've done your homework. You've set everything in motion. You can't allow yourself to default to comfort because that's why you like, you got to shut the gate behind you, throw away the key and just be like, okay, I'm in the deep end of the pool. I can't reach for the life preserver or I reach for the side of the pool anymore. I just have to get the set in motion. And so another way of looking at it we came up with the five C's of of conflict resolution. And that is, first C is compassion. Have compassion for the the person you're talking with. Let's say you're asking for that raise from your boss. Hey, your boss has a lot on his mind. Maybe he's, you know, not trying to be like a a pain in your rear end and just be like the, the obstacle to the disposable income that you need to take care of other things because things are expensive. The second is curiosity. Hey, learn about the situation. Learn more about the perspectives. Learn, see what's really going on. Be the detective. The third is courage, right? To set things in motion. Hey, I need to talk to you. Can we? Fourth is collaboration, right? Hey, boss, I understand that money is tight right now. And I want to work with you on how I can justify a raise. I want to know how I can add more value so that you would be excited to give me this raise and to feel like I'm really contributing. So I know I can be a better employee for you, right? Now you're selling the benefits on this. And then five, aim for closure, right? Closure is, it is wonderful. Like when you find that resolution and understand that, and, and tying back to the first thing that I mentioned in my framework, right? Success may not be a completely restored relationship. That's another thing that people need to watch out for. Closure might mean finally getting I had to evict a roommate at one point. Closure at this point was getting him to move out without having to call the cops. Other times it's just to say, hey, you know what? Things aren't working out at this company for either of us. Because in, in the process of being fired, I've also had to fire people. And so to do it with a level of empathy and compassion and to treat them with dignity, even if they've lost your respect, is very difficult, but very also very necessary because 
I hate losing the job. I hate worrying about my next paycheck. I hate all these other things. I don't want to admit this part about my identity. Okay, let's help you land on your feet somewhere. Let's help kind of get you moving in the right direction. So yeah, that's another way of looking at it if they so choose. If you could give your younger self some advice, mm-hmm. what are some of the the tips or the the hacks that you would give to your younger self to maybe smooth that journey? Yeah, yeah. I would if I could t- travel back in time and you know tell myself 10 years ago say hey, I would tell you that your boss isn't paying you for stories as to why you didn't get the job done. Get the job done. That's all it is. Don't all he needs to hear is, did you do this? And you say, yes, right? That's all you need to tell him, uh, that you actually did the job. Uh, the second is that you don't have to agree with every opinion that comes your way. Everyone has ideas on what you should be doing with your life. I know plenty of Asian friends who basically got pressured into becoming physicians when you know they, they clearly had a heart for something else. So that's the second thing I would tell myself. The third is to tell myself, hey, you know what? Yeah. Just if you're bad at something, don't let that stop you. Give yourself a longer trial period to say, because I talk to people about dancing and they'll say, oh, I'm not that great at dancing. I just said, okay, fine. Give yourself a six month run. And if after six months, you decide that you haven't made any progress, then just stop. It's okay. And to allow for that and tell yourself, hey, failure is neither fatal nor final is something I know I wish I'd heard because one thing I start my stories off with sometimes and say, how did this journey really begin, Jared? And I tell people, I got when I, it began technically when I got a C in organic chemistry, because that was basically the death of my pre-med aspirations. Even though there are plenty of people who have shared stories about how much struggle they went through to get through med school. I met a guy who didn't get into med school until his third attempt. So clearly a C in organic oh, chemistry. I guarantee is, you there are some doctors out there that made a C in organic <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so to tell myself, hey, uh, grades don't define you. If I had to say that again, hey, either you can let this define you and say, I'll never do this again. Or you can say, you know what? This story is going to be so much richer if I overcome this. Mm-hmm. And to believe that you can. But that was the reason by, why. By the way, I made a C in organic chemistry too. So See, right, right there and with now you. you have a, now, you have a great, now you have a great business. And so celebrate that. And so for people that hang on to that, you just have to show them grace. Right? Just like, don't hire him. He got a C in organic chemistry. It's just like, like nobody, nobody says, oh, that's a deal breaker. That's a red flag. So yeah, those are some things I would tell myself to say, hey, look, imagine what success will look like for yourself and not on, not because culture is telling you, not because parents are telling you, or even friends are, take some time to figure it out for yourself. And five years from today, be willing to evaluate that. One of my favorite books is I'm going to pepper out literature references throughout these podcasts. That, that, that's okay. They're, they're, yeah. they're used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Designing Your Life had a wonderful point to make the book by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, those smart Sanford people. And they talk about success as an iterative process. Like what worked for you five years from now, five five years ago, isn't going to work now. And what Mm -hmm. works for you now may not work five years from now. And you have to take time to evaluate that because success for me in my twenties was, yeah, a successful, you know, career as a doctor, wife with two kids in the suburbs. And now, Tim Ferriss kind of rocked the boat a little bit with four-hour work week. And you realize, you know what? Maybe I actually want a passive income stream that actually lets me free me up to invest my time in the most important relationships and activities that are meaningful to me. And I think in a way, we're all looking for that. So we don't have to be slave to a nine-to-five job. We don't want to 
ever let work dictate the terms of our life. Like we want to be able to dictate the kind of work we want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, those are some of the things that I, I wish I'd, I could tell myself. So if somebody out there is hearing all of this and they want to be working and helping and investing and developing others, maybe they're in a leadership position, maybe they're not, Yeah, but they feel a, a lot of times people will say, I want to help somebody, but I feel unprepared. I'm not ready myself. Mm-hmm. What advice or what tips would you give them? This sounds, this may sound silly, but just start now. <laughs> like just if you want to do a quick catalog, like catalog your strengths, right? Take a test, like I'll plug predictive index, do a behavioral mm-hmm. assessment to find out what exactly your strengths and blind spots are, whether it's Clifton Strengths Finders, which is another popular one, or Myers Briggs. Just do something that lets you learn more about yourself and say, okay, what do I like? Here's a, a, a question I've used. They said, who are the people that are willing, available, and competent? And what, you, what is your willingness? What is your availability? And what are you competent in? Because if you can hit those three things, then you have an idea of, of what you'd like to mentor, who you'd like to mentor if you choose to develop people. Because yeah, you have to be willing. You got to want it. You got to care. You got to be available. You got to clear out your schedule so that you can actually meet with the people. And then you have to be competent, right? You have to have some level of previous success so that people will actually take you seriously because... I've been mentored by people who are willing and available. And I can assure you that just because they're willing and available doesn't mean that I, I should follow their example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can follow Jerry on LinkedIn as Jerry Fu or find him on his website at adaptingleaders.com. Of course, I'll have links to those over in the show notes as well. Jerry, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, when you go to the website, there is a free download. We may have mentioned this earlier in the previous episode about yeah, free download on a framework to handle difficult conversations. You can also schedule a complimentary 30-minute call just to share your story or a challenge you need some help with, no strings attached. Uh, you can also find my free book blog uh, where I discuss interesting and useful leadership literature. I summarize it for you, give you some key takeaways. So if you don't have time to read, just check out the blog post and hopefully that's enough to, to get you going or to inspire you to read the book yourself and see what kind of dialogue that leads to. Other things on are available. I have a monthly book discussion. It's just 10 bucks a person the first Wednesday of every month. We do some networking. I'll give you a book summary and then there's some facilitated discussion. So it's a great opportunity to network get some insights and even stay in touch and keep each other accountable with whatever next actions you want to take after having heard the book summary. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures. Develop your influence and impact the world.